Welcome to the Business Bookshelf Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Pepler. So like you, I'm a lifetime learner and find books one of the best ways to do this. The purpose of this podcast then is to interview authors of new business books, get insights into their thinking, lives and businesses, all in a light-friendly manner. In fact, my wife said I laugh too much during the interviews at times, so maybe I should scale that down. Let me know if, I, if I'm laughing too much during these interviews. Anyway, today our guest is Claire Wasserman. Claire has been named one of Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Powerful Women. Claire, was, Claire is the founder of Ladies Get Paid, a platform that champions the professional and financial advancement of women. In less than three years, Claire grew the community to 70,000 members from all 50 states and more than 100 countries in fewer than three years. She's also the host of John Hancock's podcast, Friends Who Talk About Money. Claire has been featured in the New York Times, partnered with the City of Los Angeles, spoke at the United Nations Foundation, and collaborated with Nike, among others. Her book, Ladies Get Paid, is available for pre-order order from ladiesgetpaid.com slash book, and also uh, from amazon.com and whenever you, wherever you buy books. So as I said, she's the author of Ladies Get Paid. It's filled with Claire's personal stories and straightforward advice. This is a must-read for anyone who wants to take their career to the next level. If you're looking for, to get a raise, never get a promotion, or break the glass ceiling, Ladies Get Paid will show you how. Part how to guide, part manifesto, Ladies Get Paid encourages the self-advocacy and activism that will help you close the gender pay gap and take the power back in your career. So enjoy the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Thank you. I feel lucky to be here. And it's absolutely fantastic because even though I'm a man, no surprises there, uh, my house is filled with women. And, uh, you know, obviously married to a woman and I've got two daughters who are growing up to be women. And so I'm really a advocate, strong advocate of women because I am totally outnumbered in my household. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Yes. Good. You, uh, you must be a great man great ally just by the fact that you're outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So Claire, can I start by asking where am I speaking to you from today? Where do I find you? Uh, you are finding me in a very far away time zone from you. I am in Los Angeles. Uh, specifically, I, I live in West Hollywood. That's fantastic. Most people I speak to on the podcast live in different time zones, so that's not unusual for me. And I, I believe you've just moved from New York to Los Angeles. What, what caused you to move there? Ah, uh, the pandemic. Yeah, I was I was living in New York for eleven years, and I had no intention of moving until we we got locked down. I I lived in a very small apartment, a very small, expensive apartment, mm. and it just was not feasible. Um, I'm on podcasts a lot. I do I teach on video, and you know when it got to a point where I was like doing these from my bathtub. I mean, you really it just was not sustainable. <laughs> and and uh, most of my family's here, and we were able to find a, a place that was. Um, just more accommodating when you can't leave, you have to do what's right for your, your mental health. And that's what we did. Now, you told me before we went on air and in inverted commas that you haven't really got around Los Angeles yet because you've been there during lockdown. And like, I watch stuff like Jimmy Kimmel and he's forever doing his show from his bedroom and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we go hiking, we, we go to Malibu on the weekends. I, you know, I'm certainly not complaining, but it's a bummer. It's a bummer. We, we just know our apartment really well. 
<laughs> yeah. So I hope this pandemic lifts at some point. So the vaccine is truly. Uh, so if, when that happens, what do you hope to go and see and explore first around Los Angeles? I think for me, I mean, the way that I discover a city is or absorb a city, really, it's, it's the food, you know, and it's the, mm. the bars and the cafes. And we're luckier because there's so much outdoors. Um, whereas in New York, you know, it, it's tough. People, my friends are eating out, you know, in the snowbanks. Uh, so, so that'll be yeah. the first thing I do is just eat, drink and be merry. <laughs> Sounds absolutely fantastic. When I visited Los Angeles quite regularly, that's what I did quite often. So Claire, could you tell us your story and, and then the forming of Ladies Get Paid uh, up to there, mm -hmm. if you could briefly give us an yeah. overview of your story. <sighs> yeah, I have. Okay. So I have to admit something. I never considered myself a feminist before. I think I had a complete misunderstanding of what that means. My mom was the third class of women in her college and we never really talked about it. Uh, I grew up assuming, you know, workplaces are a meritocracy. I can achieve whatever I want. And yes, I can achieve whatever I want, but I didn't really get the heads up that misogyny still exists that there is the wage gap, the leadership gap, the investment gap, the funding gap. I mean, you name the gap, women are not equal to men. Mm. And it wasn't until I had a kind of sexist experience that really woke me up. I mean, it, it was sort of funny. So I, <laughs> I went to an advertising festival. This was about five years ago. And I was working for another company at the time. And I walk into the, the, my first party there and this older guy comes up to me and he says, hi, whose wife are you? Um, I was nobody's wife and I was mm. there on business. And that whole week, I was just very aware of interactions where there was not only a gender imbalance, right? There was a power imbalance and it was tough because I was there to find clients. So when I'm not being taken seriously or being objectified or in uncomfortable dynamics, I couldn't say screw you, right? And navigating that was exhausting. Mm. But, and I will never forget this. I remember going into the ladies room and it was like all the women at the festival were crowded in there. We were like hiding, you know, and trading business cards and being serious about business and not objectifying each other. And that was profound. That I think was the first time I saw how meaningful uh, a safe space can be. Mm. And after that week, I, I wrote this essay about not just what I experienced, but trying to sort of process it because a lot of the interactions I had, you know, when somebody was objectifying me, I immediately internalized as my fault. Well, maybe I was too friendly. Maybe my dress was too short. And I shared the essay with some friends. I, I didn't feel comfortable publishing it. I felt like I would be labeled a man hater or, or it would just be misunderstood. So when I shared it with some friends, I was really struck by their responses, which, you know, which were, oh my God, I've experienced this too. Do you mind if I forward it to some of my friends? Ah. They did. And those friends wrote me back and said, wow, I've also experienced this. And then I started to do research, right? I remember Googling women, workplace, inequality. I mean, I was like really starting from scratch. And what I learned just blew me away. Mm. And here are the last two things I'm going to say about the start of this is number one, I just got really depressed because when you uncover systemic, overwhelming uh, discrimination as an individual, what can you possibly do? So I felt really helpless. But number two, it was a year later that an art director friend of mine came to me and she said, Claire, I just realized I am not charging as much as my male counterparts. She was a freelancer. And for her, it wasn't sexism. It was just like, I don't know what to charge. And clearly I'm undervaluing myself. Can we do something about this? And at the time, the company I worked for uh, was a, a job recruitment company. They, they help uh, connect creative freelancers for work. 
And so I was in this position where I could bring together a lot of people who were interested in talking about this subject. And it was money. I said, let's do a town hall about money, what it means to you. Tell me stories. Mm. And from there, I started a Slack group. And that Slack group grew from 100 people in 2016 to over 75,000 people from all 50 states and more than 120 countries. And you know how many messages they've exchanged? They've exchanged over 2 million. 2 million messages all about work, money, and worth. That's amazing. And I'd love to talk to you <clears throat> a bit more about and you know the website, Ladies Get Paid a bit later in this interview. Um, but I, I just wanted to talk about that because sometimes I you know forget the, the gender equality. And I came across something interesting about job losses in December uh, during the pandemic. And the crazy thing was and is that in America in December, 140,000 people lost their jobs. But the amount of jobs lost by women made like 90% of that. And actually the, the men got more jobs. So the, yes. the, the amount of jobs for men increased and the women lost all the jobs almost during the, the pandemic period in December. And so yes. even the, one of the things about the pandemic, it seems, is that it's actually affected the gender equality in the workplace, not increase it. So what what are your thoughts on worse. that? Yeah. I mean, listen, progress is not linear. Progress is not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So anybody in this society who was already vulnerable, already marginalized, just took the hit even bigger. So the jobs that were lost were largely in industries that are high touch, literally high touch service industries, right? So Mm -hmm. we're talking about nail salons, hair salons, um, service, you know, caretaker providers, uh, and those tend to be heavily dominated by women. Um, so there's that. These are also uh, industries okay. that are, are tend to be hourly without benefits. So they were already underpaid and without that social safety net. Now that that begs the question of, well, why are those industries so female dominated? Why are those industries unpaid? Um, and so that that's the larger conversation about the kind of work that we value in this country. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it also includes what people do within a company. And this is called actually occupational segregation. And this is a big factor in the wage gap. Within a company, jobs that are very clearly um, the sort of breadwinning jobs, okay? So sales, right? Jobs where it's very obvious how they make money, those jobs tend to be dominated by men. And they keep Mm. those jobs, they get those raises, but the behind the scenes job, right? The admin work, HR work, anything that's more in a supportive role tends to be more female jobs. And it can be harder to justify those jobs when it comes to, are these jobs making money? Oh, of course they are. It just can sometimes be a little bit indirect, right? Yeah. So the first people on the chopping block are always the women. And the last thing I'll say is as default caretakers in this country, who's homeschooling the kids now? I mean, most of these kids in this country are, you know, they're, they're working from home and, and the default caretaker is the one that has to homeschool them. And so Who's the one that leaves their job? Well, women, because if we're already being underpaid, quite frankly, you know, it's just a math, a math decision. If the man mm-hmm. is the breadwinner, then he <clears throat> keeps his job. So it's a lot of different factors. I think it all comes down to actually um, lack of paid family leave in this country. I think if I had to pick one, one thing, if we improved it, you would see a lot more women staying in the workplace and thriving in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I've interviewed a lot of people and we'll get onto your book now because you're a fantastic book, but I've interviewed a lot, a lot of people uh, over the 113 episodes that I've done. And the thing is that the woman's role in business now is more important than ever before because the skills that are admired and appreciated are empathy, humility, 
um, all these type of skills that women actually thrive in. And so the workplace of today is actually much more suited in a way um, to women than men. So, you know, the hard driving, aggressive type, stereotypical men approach thing doesn't work in business today. It's, it's the women that, that have but that role and should have that role. But do we compensate appropriately? So though that yeah. might be something we quote value, right? Is it easily quantifiable? So does it, how do you demonstrate that your empathy, your, your teamwork, right? How do you show that that makes the company money? So yeah. this is where, you know, my book is, is hopefully showing women, don't let your work speak for itself. You have to speak for your work. And mm. of course, again, we need to make improvements when it comes to inclusive workplace policies and the way we're managed and then leadership, what leadership looks like, et cetera. But I don't want to wait around for that. So hopefully, mm. you know, in this book, it's about taking agency and making sure that what you do and what you do, you know, in terms of the money that you bring in for the company, that that is clear and it is compensated appropriately. Absolutely. Well, let's get on to your fantastic book. It's also called Ladies Get Paid. And so how did, Claire, how did that book come about? Did it come about from interactions from your, you know, your, your subscribers and your contribute your, your um, different groups that you've got on Ladies Get Paid? How did you go about writing it? And can you give us a brief overview of it? Sure, sure. So the book is uh, is about helping women get recognized and rewarded at work. Um, and, I, and I structure it in an interesting way. I tell the stories of nine real women. Each of them is going through a different professional challenge. And as I tell their story, I, I stop along the way and I give advice. So when you see one woman going through, you know, office politics, and she's in a certain scenario, I tell her story, but then I say, okay, here are some scripts for how you can deal with it. And it's really the, the kind of chronology of a career from everything, you know, who am I, what do I want through battling internal obstacles, getting out of your own way, right? The imposter syndrome, the perfectionism. Okay. Mm. Now you go get the job, the networking, the interviewing, the negotiating, then once you get the job, well, what's next? Setting yourself up for success, finding advocates, positioning yourself for promotion. And the end of the book is about how do you make change, right? How do you lobby your company to be more inclusive? And how do you lobby elected officials to pass better laws? So it, it kind of goes from like the very micro internal stuff all the way through big systemic change. Mm. The book And that's happened- part four. Hey? The part four is the big, the big changes. Yes. Yeah. And- cool. You know, the book kind of fell in my lap a little bit. I connected with somebody who was very intrigued by a big road trip that I took a couple of years ago where I went across the country and I hosted town halls uh, in 19 cities for women to come and talk about money. And I saw thousands of women. Um, I also did that with PayPal. They had me go across the country teaching women in their different offices. And I saw a lot of stuff that, you know, I saw what was universal And I also saw where women communicated differently. I mean, in Oklahoma, they told me that feminism, they call it, quote, the other F word. Okay. So Mm. just really interesting, interesting stuff. And that plus the 2 million messages had been exchanged in Slack. You know, I've had this great bird's eye view. And, And this woman said, let me introduce you to an agent. I think you have a book to write. And I guess I did. So it took, you know, it took two years to get there. But yeah. it's 320 pages of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, uh, yeah. emphasis on the tears part. And if anything, it shows women that they are not alone in the things that they may struggle with uh, and that there are specific, tangible things, strategies that you can do. It's not just about, quote, be confident or be inspired. Like, that's the foundation. But, uh, you know, I hope that I answer, like, what do you do if you're in a situation? What do you say? 
So I'm also very grateful to the women whose stories they gave me. I mean, they're, they're, they were very vulnerable in that and, and very moving in, in their lives and what they were willing to share. Mm. And, and I'm also very grateful, like I said in the beginning, because my two daughters. And so I'm, I'm hoping that you make a huge contribution to the world and they enter the job market, you know, if not ahead, you know, on living level footing. Um, can I, Claire, can I start with a really, really basic question just to set the scene and that today, are women still getting paid less than men? Yes. Yeah. And it depends on a lot of factors. So mm. women of color, let me start with black women, 63 to 68 cents on the dollar and Hispanic women, 55 cents on the dollar. I want to be clear though, the wage gap, it's, it's not necessarily a simple thing. Uh, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And if I could say, well, one big factor that we can fix, it's what's called the motherhood penalty. It's the mothers mm. that are getting paid the least for every child. A woman has research shows that she gets paid four to 6% less she sees a reduction in her pay. And for men who become fathers, they see a four to 6% increase in pay. That is one of the major contributing factors to the wage gap. So again, it depends on the industry you're in, the role that you're in, fine. We can mm. sometimes accept that. That's a larger sort of chicken and egg question of why the society pays those roles uh, and those industries less. But the motherhood penalty, that's egregious and needs to be fixed. Sure. Mm. Absolutely. And so- Claire, your book is divided into four parts, and I'd just like to give the you know the listeners an insight into the different areas of your book. And obviously, they need to buy it, um, whatever yes. outlet <laughs> they want to. And but part one is build your foundation, and you talk about how women have been brought up in a certain way and how their mindsets almost need to change. Can you give us an overview of you know how how women might think and how it needs to change? Yeah. I mean, we're socialized. I mean, this is not our fault, right? We're brought up to be accommodating, right? We're the default caretakers. And so when you're accommodating, well, oftentimes that means you put others before yourself and sometimes at the expense of yourself, mm. you become smaller, right? Be nice, be the good girl. Don't disrupt. There's the fear that being assertive might be perceived as being aggressive. Women of color know this really well. And so then we internalize a lot. We question ourselves before we assert ourselves. Uh, we doubt, you know, if the women, people don't look like us in leadership, which, you know, they often don't. You may wonder, do I deserve to be here? Can I become a leader if people don't look like me? There's also mm. extreme pressure to be perfect in so many avenues of our life, right? From how we look uh, to, to the work quality that we deliver. We think we need to over-deliver to get to where we need to go. Uh, there's research that shows that women don't apply to as many jobs as men. If we feel like we don't match 100% of the requirements in that job description, we will not apply. Where a man, if he gets, you know, okay, 60%, I match those <laughs> job requirements, he'll yeah. apply. And guess what? Good for him. Good for him. Mm. So, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. So the first mm. step is always, how are you standing in your own way? And, and then, all right, now let's get the heck out of our own way and make sure other people don't make it even harder for ourselves than we already do. Good, good, good. Um, so part two is game time. And, and this is leading up to getting paid what you're worth. And you, you give some guidance and you, you, you talk about some steps leading up to getting paid what you're worth and maybe a few techniques in getting the right salary. Could you possibly tell us a little bit about that and how you know women should approach things to get at least the same salary as men as a starting yes. point? You will feel a lot more confident if you feel like you have the correct market research. You have mm. to talk to real people to figure out your salary. You just do. And I know that that can feel uncomfortable. Just remember, everybody needs and wants money. 
everybody needs and wants to negotiate. So sometimes by you being the one to bring it up, you're actually helping them. You can also say to somebody, listen, if you're not comfortable telling me exactly how much you get paid, what's the range? Or here's the research I did. Cold email people in roles that you want. I mean, really, I mean, you have literally nothing to lose. So do your market research, have three numbers prepared. Okay. You're going to start with the highest number you can. If they say no, you're going to have a backup, right? So it's all right. Okay. Okay. Here's the second ask. And then you have your bottom line. You're also going to have things uh, that don't, you know, cost much money that they can give you that bring you value. Um, Pay time off vacation, signing bonus commission, uh, expense career development. So there is lots that you can negotiate. It is a larger conversation. It is called full compensation. It's your package. The last thing that I would say is very much dig into your strengths and what you've done and not just what you've done, but also how did you do it, right? That's going to show mm. your process, how you think, also who you are, how do you embody the company culture specifically and how you know, who you are, right? If you're a really enthusiastic person and, and you're positive, can you draw the connection between you and how that's impacted the company, your team, how that's brought in money, saved the company money, save the company time. All of that counts. Don't assume that they know that. And your resume barely scratches the surface uh, of your story. It gets you in the door, but you have to be really compelling because at the end of the day, you're not getting the money because you deserve it even though I know you deserve it. Okay. You are being paid uh, for the, the proof that you have that you are a top performer and therefore should get top dollar. So, you know, and get perspective on this, by the way, like practice, my book has scripts. The more you practice, the better you'll feel. And there's Mm. only so many ways the conversation is going to go. Like it's, it's actually not that hard once you get the hang of it. Uh, It's not going to be as complicated as you think. So if you can be prepared for, they're going to say X, Y, and Z things, here's what I'm going to say back. And here's my bottom line. Remember, they want you to be there. You've worked there long enough to even be having this conversation or you've gotten this far in the interview process to even have an offer. They are invested in you just as much as you're invested in them. And say the word we, what can we do to figure this out? I know Mm. you pay fairly. What would you do if you were in my position? It's not a win-lose, okay? It's a win-win, but you do have to be creative and work with them to figure out what that compromise is going to look like. Yeah, so... Part three then is you've got the job, you've got the, the right salary and um, you've gone through the scripts and you've gone confidently and you've got the job. And now it's leveling up, which is the part three of your book. And, and I just want to find out, do you think that's different for a woman than it is for a man? Do you think men still get promoted quicker, get promoted faster than women in the workplace? And yeah, what would you research. say a woman should focus on to maybe level that off? Yeah. I mean, there's research that shows that men are often given what's called glamour work. And so these are opportunities that give them exposure either to clients or to, Uh, you know, influential people at the company. They're getting work that's more clearly, you know, bringing in money or they get larger portfolios to manage, et cetera. So make sure that you are getting those opportunities, know what those opportunities are, raise your hand. Uh, And then the next part is advocates. So men are often what's called sponsored by influential people at the company. And it's not discrimination. It's just that we tend to be drawn to and want to help people who remind us of ourselves. So if leadership looks what people say, pale and male, right? People, if leadership looks like that, well, who are they gonna wanna advocate for? 
people that remind them of their younger self. So then we have to be <laughs> yes. the ones to go, you know, to go reach out uh, and to say, you know, I would love to learn more about what you do and how you got there. And I admire you. And here's where mm. I'd like to grow. And do you have suggestions for me? You have nothing to lose. And the only reason that somebody might want to, might not respond or want to do this with you is literally because they do not have time. So if anything, you look great to show initiative. So get the work that gives you exposure, go develop those relationships with individuals and then speak up for what you want. You know, what's the next level. And a great way to do that is to work backwards from what are the challenges that that level is going to have to face and then Mm -hmm. make sure you're prepared for that. And you can make the case, Hey, listen, I know in this next role, this, you know, is an obstacle or something that, you know, I'd have to tackle. Here's how, what I do is transferable to that. I'm a fast learner. I'd like to take this class, be explicit about your growth, be explicit. Everybody's busy. Nobody has time. To, to necessarily nurture you. Okay. So we have to be the ones to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently interview, interviewed a lady called Kate Latz, and she's written a co-authored a book called All the Brains in the Business. And it's about um, the brains, um, women, how a woman and a, a male brain is different to each other. And they have different strengths naturally, uh, uh, you know, based on, on the gender of the person. And what she was saying is that you know, teams and groups of peoples and organizations need to have a good split. And so proper functioning organizations need to have, you know, half or even 40% men, 60% women to be able to thrive and to operate at their peak performance. So there needs to be a nice split of genders in the workplace. Um, What do you think about that? I would go even beyond that. We need to have a split in, a nice split in diversity, diversity Mm. of experience, diversity of culture, ethnicity, it is proven that companies financially do better, okay? That the bottom line is increased by 15% when you have a diversity. And you want to know why? Yeah. Let the best idea win. When you come with different perspectives, you can come to the best solution. Plus, everybody's customers are diverse. So we need to make sure that we're empathetic to our customers. Um, and so that also means, you know, managers need to rethink how they define a leader, uh, and, and I think referrals, you know, referrals can be great. People oftentimes refer folks that remind them of themselves. So can we challenge people to refer those who are different and maybe give bonuses for that? So there's mm. a lot that the company needs to be doing on their level. I don't want people to feel like it's all on them. We're already underpaid and overexhausted. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, what, what's the case you can make to HR uh, or mm. to leadership about policies they can implement that get diversity from day one, that there is a pipeline. It's not just about, you know, promoting people into leadership. It's let's get them into middle management and let's get them out of middle management because people get stuck. So you got to start from who you're recruiting, bringing in, and then how you're going to get them to the next level. And again, oftentimes that's through no fault of our own as individuals. We may be speaking up. We're just not being heard necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so part four of your book is make a difference, which is great. And I I guess there you're encouraging women to look beyond themselves, beyond their businesses, beyond their positions to make a lasting impact in in the world or their country or in their environment. Is that what you're encouraging people to do? It's like step out and make a difference. Yeah, because there's too many books, I think, that have made women feel like it's all on them or it's somehow their fault. It is systemic. It's systemic. Okay. So yes, there are things that you need to do to individually advocate, but there's a woman, I'm going to tell this story really quickly. It's in the book. Um, 
she, so she joined a company. She was a new mom. Her last company, she felt like wasn't, you know, you had to kind of hide your identity as a parent. She didn't feel particularly welcomed anymore. So she said, all right, I'm going to, I want to create an employee resource group here for parents, but she wanted to kind of prove herself first. And so she did that by organizing a take your kids to work day. And it went so well that she then used that as proof. People here want this, but she also had a, a bigger agenda than that. She wanted to implement a better paid family leave policy. So she uh, used the employee resource group to demonstrate her leadership, to galvanize other folks. Then she made the case for paid family leave and it got implemented. And not only did it get implemented, a competitor company also implemented it because they want talent, right? It, it's a recruitment tool. You can get better candidates when you show that you're a better company. And the best part about all of this, I think, is that she then used this, everything she'd done, she used this to get a promotion and a raise. You said, look, I've contributed to this company. I have made people more productive, happier here. They're less likely to leave. That saves the company money. And she also made, successfully made the case for why her role moving forward, a percentage of it should be directly tied to continuing this kind of work. So get credit for it. I know many mm -hmm. women who've been able to, to, to change their company, but wait, they do it selflessly. No, no, no. You need to get credit. Okay. And she was able to do that. And so hopefully her story is an inspiration to, to everybody. So it looks like in four years time, because there's a very, very good chance that in America, you know, you'll have your first female president oh. um, because Camilla, you know, Camilla Rice Harris is, is on that way. And when she was appointed as vice president, then in, you hear constantly, you know, the first woman, the female vice president, the fem first black vice president, et cetera, et cetera. And so I presume your world of the future would be one that doesn't make a big deal of that, that that's normal, that, right. you know, someone being a, a woman vice president is, is fine because that's just, you know, equal opportunity, equal the way it works. And that's not a big surprise. Is that, that's the, I presume that's the way you want the future to look like for Yeah, for all, Yeah, I mean, I everyone. love when she says, you know, she says, I may be the first, but I will not be the last. I just yeah. don't want people to be complacent about this. You know, just because we made one step forward doesn't mean we continue to make those steps forward. There's often backlash. You've seen it here. We had Obama for eight years. Oh, wait, then there's Trump, right? There, there's a backlash. So, <laughs> yeah. so people, you know, we need to stay vigilant. Don't make any assumptions. I mean, one story that I tell in the book uh, that I'll, I'll tell really quickly, and then hopefully, you know, she's a rising star too, is, is there's a woman who, she's my friend from college, and she came to the second workshop that I ever organized, and it was about getting unstuck in your career. She didn't like what she was doing anymore. She wanted to be more civically engaged. And she ended up becoming more civically engaged. She helped me um, organize workshops across the country to help women be activists after the 2016 election. Fast forward to a town hall that I hosted about reinventing yourself. And mm. she wasn't on stage, okay? Like, cause I start with uh, a select number of women who share their stories first and then I open it up in the room. And so when I opened it up, she stood up and she said, I, people who run for office don't look like me. People, you know, she was a young Hispanic woman. People like me don't run for office, but I have always wanted to run for office. And guess what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to run for office. And we all, I mean, we applauded. I cried because not because she was going to necessarily win. It was actually because she probably wasn't going to win. It was that she was being brave. She was being mm. brave and she was holding herself accountable by speaking publicly about it. She was going up against a congressman who'd been in office for like 20 years, who was very influential. I mean, really her chances were so slim. 
but she won. Wow. She became the youngest congresswoman ever. Cool. And let's let's see if I can quiz you, Lance. Do you know? Okay, for American politics, do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, AOC, which I'm assuming you know who that is. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know who it is. Oh, oh no. She's like <laughs> I'll the. Look, I'll look it up right now. Oh yeah, you'll you'll millions of followers on Instagram. She's been wow. hugely influential, and this woman's like twenty seven. I mean, wow. it's really really awesome. incredible what she's been able to do in a short period of time. She is the future, and Kamala is paving the way for her. That is brilliant. Sorry, I don't know Claire. I'll, I'll definitely. I don't know many people in politics actually. So I'll when you Google look her, at, when you Google I'll, I'll her, Google you're going to be sure. like blown away by her. Yes, and she goes Love by that. AOC. AOC. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, so we're speaking to Claire Wasserman today and about her book, um, Ladies Get Paid. And I just want to just pivot a little bit to your website, which is the same name, um, Ladies Get Paid. And so if you, if you go to www.ladiesgetpaid.com, and I'll have the link in the show notes, um, what can people expect if they go to that website and have a look around? Yes. Yes. So first you'll see that we have a hundred plus hours of webinars. It's in our video library. Mm -hmm. Um, and we do, uh, usually one to three events every week. And so we just add them to the video library. If you sign up ladiesgetpaid.com slash join, we will add you to that Slack group that I was talking about. And it's totally free. Cool. Um, and that, that's a great way to get involved. We do a conference every year. So make sure you're on our newsletter. Um, it's just, we make everything very inclusive and, and we welcome everybody. And have you got a podcast that you part of or host? Or? Yes. Yes. So I'm the host of John Hancock's podcast. It's called <laughs> Friends Who Talk About Money. Uh, that's a direction I'm going more in. I, I started as a career coach, but I, I just think it's so important. I mean, money is power uh, and, and freedom. So uh, I think the podcast is great. It's on every channel you could think of, Spotify, Apple, et cetera. And it's, again, it's called Friends Who Talk About Money. And so I see you've got quite a few upcoming events as well. It, it's, what kind of events are these that are on your website? Yeah. So, you know, we do a mix of education um, of, you know, instructors that teach part of our education is going to be about money and part of it's going to be about career mm. uh, and part of career. We do, um, I would say maybe like a third of that uh, is about business owners for business owners. Then we do firesides uh, where I interview really interesting women. I'm, I'm tomorrow I'm interviewing the woman who's the senior vice president um, at Peloton. And then we do wow. office hours where every other week I'm on YouTube and there's a theme and you submit questions and I answer them. So it's, you know, it's about mentorship and it's about education and inspiration. And, and I just, I mean, I know I started it and I'm biased, but I think it's really good. And it's because of the community. The community is very special. And, and it's for the community and it's regular as well. So like, um, you know, so you say that and then Friday there's one and um, Wednesday, there's huge amounts of events that you have like two or three times a week. Oh yeah. And inst we do a lot of Instagram lives. Like later today, I'm interviewing a woman who uh, helps other women invest. And, mm. you know, all the questions I ask come from the community. When you sign up, I say, what do you want to know? Uh, mm. And I, and I try to ask as many of them as I can, because again, we want this to be specific. We want this to be helpful. Uh, and I just like asking questions. I mean, usually I'm you <laughs> when I'm interviewing <laughs> other people. So this is such a delight. Thank you for having me and then letting me go on and on. <laughs> no, no, please do. 
And so what are your plans for 2021? Uh, a lot of it will be promoting a book and obviously doing um, your events on your website and all that kind of stuff. Do you have any other plans for 2021? I am in the middle of writing my next book proposal. Uh-huh. So I, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to do one that's same structure, uh, but instead of career challenges, it'll be financial challenges and what you can do about them. Um, that book, and then just a lot more video content. Uh, we have videos of other people and we have some of my own, but I want to do a lot more courses and a mm. lot more media work. I, I was on Good Morning America last week and I would well love done. to continue. Yeah, I would love to continue uh, to be, you know, I lo- I personally love to be on camera and do more media because honestly, that's how you reach more people. Uh, so that's that's the direction I'm going in. Pretty unambitious, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, totally I once, unambitious. <laughs> I once thought that this podcast could be on um, Bloomberg's business radio, but I, I think I've given up on that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Never give up. Never give up. <laughs> Never give up. Yes, that's right. Um, Claire, people find you on LinkedIn, I presume. Uh, and I'll have they your can, LinkedIn details. Can. Um, the best way I would love LinkedIn, but also lady, um, follow me on Instagram. I, I respond okay. to DMs. So yeah, Claire gets paid. And then there's also ladies get paid. And that's where all of my updates go. And um, I want to hear everybody else's updates and share your career stories with me. And maybe you'll be in the next book. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, good. Find fame and fortune. Um, so yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Claire, for joining us. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for your book, Ladies Get Paid. And once again, I hope it has an impact, huge, huge, huge impact. And so in 10 years' time, when my daughters leave school, they're going to walk into a changed world because of you. So thank you so much for all your, all your efforts. They will. And for those who are listening who are not in the US or the UK, I don't think my book can get sent to you, um, but I read the book. So if you weren't too bothered by my voice, it's on Audible and it's of course on Kindle. <laughs> so, you know, so so don't worry if it's not yet out in your country. Um, uh, well, they can buy it on Kindle and Amazon yes. and all those wonderful things. Yes. And, and leave a review for me. Lance, you're awesome. Thanks for having me and being an ally. And, you know, however I can support you, uh, let me know. Super, thank you. And I hope you, the listener, found this as interesting and useful as I did. If you'd like to contact me, then please do. My email is lance at ideastorm.co.za and website is www.ideastorm.co.za. I'll have all of Claire's details in the show notes. If you've got an author and you've read a book and you want, would like me to try and get hold of that author and interview them, please let me know and I'll do my best to do that. So until next time, stay well, stay safe, and hopefully lockdown will end soon for all of us. So thank you, Claire, very much. <laughs>